Welcome to Cole Sports. You have entered the zone called sports on another level. And now, here's your host, Cole Johnson. Cole Sports! I am that man, your man, the illustrious tour guide, Cole Johnson. And on this episode, we're going to touch a little bit on week 10 of the NCAA slate. Dig a little bit into the early portions of week 9 in the NFL. Have a couple of issues with the NBA to discuss. We're, of course, going to talk about the NCAA, maybe, getting on board in an area. Of course, we're going to have the Dota of the Week. We're going to go in on the subject. And we're going to have in Champions Personified, a special upon further review episode, a tip of the cap to the world champs in baseball. But for right now, let's get to the headlines. Dateline College Football. Really, college football is, I guess you could say, on a slight pause. Because really, the only important game of this weekend is and has been, depending on when you're listening to this, the world's largest cocktail party. Now, I know that Georgia and Florida don't want to call it that anymore, but that's really what the name of the event became. So in Jacksonville, the Bulldogs decided to show its teeth and bite, and they got the better of the Gators to the tune of 24 to 16. Now, what does this mean? Well, it means that Georgia now has the inside track to win the SEC East, and they will play the winner, in my opinion, of next week's Titanic tilt, because all eyes will be on it between the Crimson Tide of Alabama and the number one ranked LSU Tigers next Saturday is going to be fire. Dateline Glendale. Well, Phoenix. Now, it was exciting to see the Cardinals show a little fight. They rallied from a 21 to 7 deficit and came oh so close to defeating the previous and now current still undefeated 49ers. The Cardinals decided to say, okay, 49ers, you're not going to run on us. You're going to have to beat us another way. Jimmy G, do that job. And Garoppolo did so. Uh, Threw for 317 yards and four touchdowns in the game as the 49ers won it 28-25 in the desert. What I find impressive about this showing is that good teams, they normally find ways to win even when the way they'd normally like to win has to be tossed aside and thrown out the window. The 49ers, obviously, they have a huge front four. They want to get after you on defense. They want to run the ball. There there is no secret. Now, of course, Kyler, he is fleet of foot, and that helped. And there may be a slight chink in the armor of, of the 49ers. The run defense was not so solid. However, 8-0 is 8-0, and they don't have to worry about anything until next Monday night when the Seahawks come to town. So, uh, there may be two-thirds of the way to winning the NFC West. Uh, 49ers fan, I love you guys, but don't think that you're going to be undefeated all throughout the year. You're going to run into some tests mighty soon. The Seahawks is just one of them, and you still have to play them twice. You still have to play the Packers, and you still have to go to New Orleans. So, 
And there's going to be some treacherous waters. Now, what bodes well for you, though, is you had a tough test with the with the Panthers and you dismantled them. So I'm not going to say that you all are paper champions. But I think you're going to have some tougher tests which are coming or I should say which are looming big in the near future. Line Washington DC Well Landover The saga between the Washington NFL franchise and Trent Williams continues Now we heard that Williams ended his holdout but it seems as though he ended his holdout for a different reason You see it turns out that the left tackle seems to have grown a growth on his skull, a malignant one. And when I say malignant, that means cancerous. Now, Trent was told that it was minor. It was a minor condition. He continued to play for several reasons and several seasons. But he says the condition formed and got worse for him. Williams, in talking about this situation, said... Quote, it was cancer. I had cancer. I had a tumor removed from my skull attached to my skull. It got pretty serious for a second. I was told some scary things from the doctor. It was definitely nothing to play with. It was one of those things that changes your outlook on life. Close quote. Now, William says that this has been going on for five and a half years. The team knew and he's leaning on the fact the team is negligent. Well, I would say that this is Dota the Week worthy. However, this is alleged. And so since this is alleged and it's not permanent or it's not confirmed, I really can't go into it. But what I can do is say, if there is a concern, a team has to be careful. Dateline Philadelphia. Now, in this game, I didn't really care about the score. I didn't care really about the teams. What I sort of cared about was this <laughs> fight between the Timberwolves, Carl Anthony Towns, and the 76ers, Joel Embiid. Now, the reasons why I say fight with a question mark, you saw these two seven-footers hug, then fall to the ground and grapple like, they're amateur wrestlers. And I don't even mean amateur wrestlers that have a grasp on the skill. I mean amateur wrestlers as if this is like their first or second bout. Uh, <laughs> it's funny to me. And it's funny when you watch it because it, it looked a whole lot worse than it ended up being. In fact, I think the worst thing I saw was a chokehold from <laughs> from the Sixers Ben Simmons onto uh Towns when they were on the ground. Yeah, so be it. Embiid had this to say with a lot of laughing. Uh-uh. Embiid had this to say with a lot of laughter to follow. Quote, well, first of all, I ain't no... There was not a lot of talking. It kind of happened out of nowhere. I just did what I had to do. It happens. I mean, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I guess that last possession, we got to the turn the ball over and my hand was staying tangled up. 
And the next thing I know, he's holding me. We're holding each other, but, <laughs> but it's basketball. That's what I'm good at. I like to get in people's minds. Close quote. Dateline, Washington, D.C. Again. Houston and Washington got it on. But I'm not talking about the World Series here. That's going to be later in the show. No, I'm talking about the Rockets and the Wizards. But let's, they got together once again in their one of two matchups they do every year. In this one, it was a little bit different. James Harden scored 59. Bradley Beal of the Wizards scored 46. And in a normal game, you'd say, okay, wow, the stars got off. But the final score, 159-158. Are you kidding me? 317 points scored in a regulation NBA game? Where is the defense? Please tell me. The coach of the winning team, Mike D'Antoni, had this to say about the Matador defensive game in D.C. Quote, I didn't know we were going to have to score about 160 points to win, but whatever it takes, it took. A lot of great individual performances. They played unbelievable. They didn't miss anything. We just let down a little bit and they made everything. Close quote. No, Dan, Tony, you did let down a little bit. No, 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 no. Your team on defense has let down a lot to the tune of the fact that you all average giving up 128 points. Now, you know the little trinket called the Larry O'Brien trophy that you all were a hamstring away from getting? You play that type of crappy defense? You ain't even going to come close to sniffing that. You're not even going to get a Western Conference Finals trip because every team could have a layup drill when they play you. Tighten up that defense, and if you're serious about a championship, please do so. If not, stop being the lame duck that you already are in, D'Antoni, and just hand the pink slip and leave. This is why I believe Tim Fertitta, the owner of the Rockets, decided to say, you know what, we're not going to sign you to an extension because we don't really believe in your philosophy. This is why. Because I certainly don't. Dateline Los Angeles. So if many of you are not aware, there have been wildfires that have gone ballistic over in Simi Valley. In fact, the Reagan Library came close to being burned down uh, when it was saved by, of course, first responders. One of the houses that were close to being burned down was, of course, the Lakers star LeBron James. Well, he had to evacuate from his home and thankfully his family is safe. Dateline San Francisco! The rough start the Warriors have experienced has gotten a lot rougher. Draymond Green, the heart and soul of the team, ended up having to come out of a game with the messed up finger. But that was pa- that was 
and appetizer. The main course of the ridiculous smelly stew that the Warriors have undergone is the straw which stirs the drink for the Warriors, Stephon Curry. Well, in their game against the Suns, he went down and he went down hard and his left hand ended up being dislocated. Now, further tests have proven that he suffered a broken hand. And it was done with about eight minutes left to go in the third quarter of the loss to the Suns at home. Well, so the earliest Curry can come back is right before the All-Star break. So that means you're going to have to play at least 40 games without him. Half your season is going to be without him. It looks like those predictions from Chris Webber and Jay Williams might not be so off. But I'm not going to count them out just yet. Later, we're going to talk about etiquette, especially with quarterbacks and in front of the media. We're also going to have a Champions Personified. We're going to tip our caps to a champion that has a ton of fight. But immediately following the break, we're going to talk about the NCAA. Have they gotten on board? And what do I mean how they've gotten aboard with what? <laughs> well, I'm gonna go If the pain that you're suffering is so unbearable, so painful, so bad, so horrendous that you just simply can't see the forest for the trees, literally, that all you can feel is heartbreak and loss, well, I have a free audio for you. It is titled, How to Heal from Heartbreak. Let it all come to you so you can be about the business of healing. Today is a new day. Claim it at getoverdivorce.org. suits in Indianapolis have gotten their act together or are they reacting you be the judge so in the summer California decided to say you know what we're, we're going to pay our players whoever comes into a California collegiate institution and you actually play athletics you're going to be able to get money off of your likeness the NCAA decided to put their foot down and I'll explain that a little further there was something else that sort of strong-armed the NCAA to come into a 180. What was that? 
I'm glad you asked because I'm about to uh, go in the A, the NCAA's top brass decided to have an important meeting on Tuesday and in that important meeting, they decided to unanimously permit students participating in any athletics the opportunity to benefit from the use of their name, their image, and their likeness in a matter consistent with the collegiate model. Now, in layman's terms, what does that mean? Well, that means players can get money off of things that have the back of their names on a jersey that's sold in stores. It means that if the if they played games like you know, like like a video game, if they're on it, they can make money off of it. And if there's any brands of of shoe or or um, or, or a product that's named after them, they can make money off of that. That's what this means. Because before this week, the NCAA forbade it because that was considered a professional benefit. Now, what is funny, though, is this has been going on for God knows how long, probably since even before I was born. So this is nothing new. This isn't even this isn't even anything revolutionary. This isn't even anything earth shattering. I mean, this is something that has been under the table, but this is over it now. So hmm. more power to them. I'm glad it's happening. Jay Billis. Now he is my favorite college football personality. Yes. Even bigger to me than Dick Vitale. And I love Dick Vitale. And those who don't follow Jay Billis uh, on Twitter, he would every day post (laughs) I find it uh, I find this hilarious. He would post some sort of young Jeezy uh, lyric, <laughs> and it it serves motivation. I mean, the guy loves himself some young Jeezy, but uh, I'm sorry, Jeezy. But I digress. He has called out the NCAA's proposal. He has called it frankly embarrassing because he basically thought the bluff was embarrassing, and I did too. This is what he had to say about it. Quote, what the NCAA has done in the last 40 days is nothing based on principle. When the California law came out, they responded by calling it an existential threat to college sports, that it's going to ruin everything if athletes are paid. And and suggesting California could be annexed from the NCAA. Now, Like they always do, they're reacting. They're reacting to different state and federal governments forcing action. They're trying to stall and say, look what we're doing. Look at what we're doing. Their abandonment of any form of principle is frankly embarrassing. Close quote. You know, I I actually... Love this guy even more because I feel him 100%. I agree with him 100% because this is a reactionary type of thing. And yes, the law that was talked about, it's called a fair pay to play. 
and that is the official title of the law that California passed, and that was in the summer. Now what? Now what forced the NCAA's hand was not necessarily California. They figured, well, that's just one state, and they had, I guess, you could say, a conservative, politically conservative viewpoint. Well, that's the one state. That's the rebel state. You know, they always do something funny and different anyway. Look, we got the other forty-nine, and. If there isn't a, a, a conservative hotbed that's going to hop behind the wheel of this, then we'll be fine. And then Florida said, you know something? Let's jump on the same boat as as California. Let's do the same thing. And last week, Governor DeSantis of Florida passed a similar pay to fair play to play. Uh, passed a similar fair pay to play act. Enacting all Florida colleges to do the same thing. Now, in my estimation, the big college in California is USC. Now, you and, and and when I say this, I mean this in football only because basketball. Yeah, they make their money, but they've been able to make their money collectively. These football programs are what really drives home the money, in my opinion. So you have USC; they're the big bellwether cow in california yeah you can say ucla but eh, their program is not nearly as prestigious same with stanford same with california and same with the same with any of the other colleges that's in california usc is where it is so they've pretty much figured okay well you're basically like notre dame who fig- figured that you could do whatever the heck you want because you feel as though you're independent so that's how they were treating california Florida, on the other hand, they have not one, not two, but three big-time powers in the state, two of them not doing so hot at the moment, in Miami and Florida State, and you have Florida. And you have a burgeoning power that's coming into existence, University of Central Florida. Now, they haven't, they haven't made their way all the way up to the big boys level yet. They keep going, they probably will. But... The stance they took with California, talking about the NCAA, they could not take with Florida because they're like, well, man, Florida travels well. Florida State travels well. Miami travels well. No, we can't We can't ban them. No. No, they, they got to come with us. So I guess we got to come on board. This, this groundswell is not going to be just tied to only California. Okay, I guess we're going to have to hold our nose and say, oh, yeah, let's do this. Mm-hmm. Sure, athletes can get paid. That's pretty much how I take it. That's how I, I felt the NCAA was in that regard. Billis, a man after my own heart, continues onward. Quote, the whole fit with the collegiate model is a made-up term for not allowing anything relevant to happen. I don't see any significant movement toward players having actual rights here. What it really means is severely limited and regulated changes with very little consequence and benefit to the players. Close quote. Jay, Jay, don't don't be NCAA's public enemy number one fella. Oh my gosh, this truth you're spilling. <laughs> These truth bombs you letting free. And this is why I say you are my favorite college basketball personality because you come with this raw unfiltered un 
uncensored truth, because that's what we're seeing here. We're seeing the NCAA saying we can't do this. And I think this is what Billis is alluding to, and he's alluding to it beautifully and perfectly. The NCAA has had a model all of its life of we can profit and we can justify the profiting off of these young men and women ages 18 to 22 by saying, well, they get scholarships. You know, they, they already get paid. They don't need to get paid. You know, they get free room and board. The thing is, though, in the NBA, these players get paid millions of dollars. But you ask any athlete that is playing now, and you ask any athlete that has played when they go on the road, and if I'm not mistaken, even when they're at home, they get what is called a per diem. So along with the salary that they get, they get extra spending money from the team. So you mean to tell me that colleges can't do that? The fact that the fact the NCAA makes billions, and I know these big time schools make millions, that they can't do a per diem? <laughs> That's what it is. It's a per diem. And we're only talking about you know five hundred, six hundred dollars. I mean you all can't split with that per player? Get out of here. <laughs> the thing is, you just did not want to have people dip into your pie, which is 100%. So now, you all are scrambling. And what Billis is saying, you all are saying, hmm, okay, how is it that we can have the players get money, but we can get money off of that? Ergo, actually get more money in the process. So how can we make this a money-making venture for the NCAA brand, the National Collegiate <laughs> Association of Athletes? How can we squeeze more of the juice from the athletes with this? That is what Jay is saying. That is what I believe as well. And I believe that is what is ridiculous about this whole thing. You all are rich enough. You got these schools who can just simply, with the signing of their name on the contract to these bowls, get close to $10 million. Now I'm talking about who wins or loses the game. Just sign the name on the contract. They get that much money. The schools are profiting and the, the, the organization, which is a non-profit, I may add, profits. So... <laughs> I would like to say, yay, NCAA, they're finally getting together and they're doing the right thing. No, you're not really doing the right thing. You're doing the hold your nose and, and make it appear so you're doing the right thing. You swung, you missed, you calculated on the fact that you thought, you hedged your bets on, you, you gambled with the fact that the other 49 states would regulate their colleges to say, well, whatever the NCAA wants, that's what we're going to back. And the government of two of the biggest popular states have said, nah, player, <laughs> they need to earn their money. <laughs> they need to earn their money. And so, you know, if California and Florida were going to back it, well, you know, states like Texas, Pennsylvania, Alabama, Louisiana, Georgia, you know, those states are far, not that far behind in saying, OK, let's do it. <sighs> mm. I would love to say at a boy in CAA, but yeah, I'm with Billis. You all are reactionary here and you're reacting to getting dough. Well, get your dough, get your money, but don't cheat these people. Don't cheat these athletes out of their hard earned money because they need 
to profit off of the labor that they're putting forth to me and to those who watch them in the stands and on TV. That's only the right and fair and just thing to do. When I come back, the adult of the week. You've tuned into the classiest sports show on the planet. From the vault, a look back at a key moment in sports history. November 2nd. 1960. The Yankees' Roger Maris and Mickey Mantle, the year after, went at it. Home run after home run, exciting baseball fans all over. However, we saw a precursor to this fight in 1960, with Mantle hitting 40 homers and driving in 94 runs, juxtaposing that to Roger Maris's 39 homers and 112 RBI. This race was tight. It was close. In fact, it was decided by three points, which has now been the second shortest margin between first and second place. Mano got the most first place votes. Maris, though, got the most votes by a count of 225 to 222. Oh, and to not be outdone, the Orioles third baseman Brooks Robinson came in third with 211 votes. The two Yankees that went on to have a home run battle for the ages staged their fight early on this date in 1960 as Roger Maris won the American League Most Valuable Player. From the Vault, brought to you by Cole You want to purchase shirts that actually say something that give you that appearance of being important, of wearing basically your heart as well as, well, your belief on your sleeve or on your shirt. Well, come to the Christian T-shirt company. We have all of what you're looking for. You can find that store at Cold Sports with a Z dot com. Hey, you, you want to write? Are you a blogger? Do you feel the need that you can express yourself, but you want to do so through manuscript? Or are you a journalist? Well, come on down to The Breaks Media. We are looking for bloggers just like you. And it doesn't matter what field in which you want to write in. We want to see you and your words put on paper. Well, put on virtual paper. Just go on to thebreaksmedianetwork.com or email thebreaksmedia at gmail.com and we will be glad to receive your request and put you on the fast track to have your words be read by thousands of people. The Breaks Media, 
We're looking for writers just like you. by nobody but we're still looking to give it to you straight with no chaser the winner of this episode's dota of the week is <laughs> cleveland browns quarterback baker mayfield now let me take you back three months So in August, Mayfield had a spirited, I guess you could say, discussion with his team in practice. And the head coach, Fred Kitchens, backed it up and saying, you know, that's what a leader is supposed to do. He's supposed to fire up his troops. Duly noted. And he did a good job of firing up his troops. Now, the problem, though, with that is this. When things don't go well, you start to see chinks in the armor. Well, after that disappointing 27-13 loss in Foxborough, where the Browns decided to turn the ball over three straight plays, the quarterback was a little short, both in temperament and in time. In a news conference Wednesday, after growing frustrated with the reporter's line of questioning. Now, the reporter, ESPN's Tony Grossi, based out of Cleveland, decided to ask a a tough line of questioning seven minutes into the news conference that Mayfield was conducting. And it revolved around a sequence that ended the first half of that game that I talked about last Sunday. And Grossi decided to label that little stretch as, quote, a lack of urgency, close quote, on a two-minute drive before halftime. So Mayfield, he wasn't as testy here when he answered, but he did answer and said, quote, There was a penalty, so we were in negative yardage. Close quote. Grossi decided to challenge him. Quote. No, 
but there was a lot of time between snaps. Close quote. (laughs) Mayfield starting to get a little hot under the collar, answered the following way. Quote, well, when the penalty happened, then we were behind the chains. No, 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 no. Stop saying, but I just told you the clock was running and we had a penalty. You want to give the you want to give them the ball back? No, you don't play. You don't know it. That's just plain and simple. Was I happy with the drive? No, we didn't score points. That's the dumbest question you, you that's the dumbest question you could have asked. What? Tony. Close quote. And with that answer, Mayfield stormed off. Basically like a child who was throwing a temper tantrum. Email Baker Mayfield. C.C. Cleveland Browns. Subject of email. Composure! Body of email. Your captain is driving you off your cliff. He is taking you into places you don't want to go. And why? I can see it all throughout the team. You have... Odell Beckham Jr., who at times seems to be more interested and enthralled in what he's wearing on his shoes or what he's wearing on his wrist with his watches costing millions of dollars, than he is turning around a two and five team. You have backbiting, you have doubt with the head coach, you have doubts about the head coach, and then you have the drama magnet number six for the Cleveland Browns, number one in your hearts because he was drinking beer like it was nobody's business in Indians games in the summer. But now you want to chunk beer at him. And the and the canes ain't empty. Browns fan, am I correct? You know I am. Mayfield, son. Son, stop acting like you're a spoiled brat because that's what you're acting like, man. No, your team does not need to see you act that way. You take those comments, and I'm not saying that reporters or journalists or analysts know the game like you do. Of course we don't. I'll be the first to tell you that. The only way I know half of the stuff that I know is because I play too. But most reporters don't know all of what you know. That's That, that goes without question. But you don't have to run the guy down. You don't have to insult the guy. You don't have to be belittle. You don't have to be belligerent to him. You don't have to be you don't have to belittle him. All you have to do is say, "You know what, Tony, you're right. You know, we we were lackluster. And here we are. We're playing a team that just you can't make mistakes like that against, and we made key mistake after key mistake after key mistake with them. And we know I took us out of that game I could say that this is a team thing but no I take the L on this one this is my team I take the loss that's how you're supposed to answer that question Mayfield own it that's why you're at that position 
part of it is not the part of it. Yes, is to throw pretty balls, throw in tight windows, know how to be how you're supposed to be in two minute drills, know how to be when you're ahead and you have to milk the clock in the fourth quarter so that the team doesn't get the ball back and score on you. Yes, that's part of the game. But also part of being a quarterback is you are the leader of the team, even more so than the head coach is. Yes, the head coach definitely leads you guys, period, in strategy. When it comes to the press, it is you. You lead that team even more so than your head coach does. And why? Because you are supposedly the coach on the field. You are supposed to embody all of what the team represents. You are supposed to be the temperature and the gauge as to what that locker room sounds like, what that locker room feels like, what that locker room does. And when they can see that you're frayed, you're frazzled, you're upset, you're tense, you're tight, and you're unhinged, well, that means the head coach, the general manager, the front office, the ownership, and the other 52 players, probably even the towel boy and the ball boy, all of them are as frazzled as you are. So you're not supposed to put forth that front. You're supposed to put forth the front that you have it under control. And if you have it under control, the rest of the team has under uh, under control. And when you do that, you will see your teammates pick you up and say, well, doggone, he fell on that grenade for us. Well, you know what? We got to pick Baker up because that's our guy. He led us. And then they will say, you know what? You know, Baker said that was his fault. No, it really wasn't his fault. It was our fault. He's just being big and saying that he's taking one for the team. You know what? We're going to lift him up and we're going to play better for him. That's how you galvanize a team, Baker. Not the way you're doing it. You can be fiery. Yes. You could be, you could be passionate. Yes. There's nothing wrong with that. You can accept defeat hard. Definitely. We don't want to lose. None of us like losing. But you don't supposed to act like a spoiled temperamental brat when you are losing. You're the quarterback. That right there almost looks like Ryan Leaf circa 1998. Seriously, dude. It looks just like that. Why? Because it shows a young quarterback out of control. And when a quarterback is out of control, the team is normally out of control. What's your record? Two and five? Yeah. You're a microcosm of the team being out of control. You got to tighten that up, man. Before this season is a lost cause and we're barely breaking bread to eat on Thanksgiving. Cole Johnson. Cold Sports, Cold Sports, with the Z.com. From how you're not supposed to handle yourself in a loss to how you're supposed to handle yourself in a win. Champions Personified Edition of Upon Further Review is next.
So I left America like December 31st, 2015. Um, and I've been traveling. I was in Europe for a bit, came to Asia, going here and there. And it was isolating. The digital nomad herself, Wanda Duncan, is this week's guest on Revelations. That's on Pippa.io and all major podcast directories. Sports Week 11, oh my gosh, of the NCAA football slate is upon us. LSU at Alabama, that is the big focus for next week and of the college football landscape to date. We're also going to talk about Week 10, the beginning of Week 10 of the NFL slate. Dig a little further in the NBA, of course, go in, have upon further view, and have the dole of the week. You already know. We're getting further and further into November. Yeah, the times, they may not be a changing, but the sports landscape is. Tune in to hear us. ColdSportsWithAZ.com. That's where you're supposed to go. That is for next week. But for this week, though, we're not finished. We're not done. And yes, the fan part of me is hurt. <laughs> but the more I do this, the less of a fan I become. Seeing my childhood team come within eight outs of the World Series, it was exhilarating and it hurt seeing it all go away with the thud. However, it just does not take away from my respect and admiration for the team that supplanted them. Washington Nationals, congratulations. This is your time to shine. And upon further review, Without further ado, Cole Sports proudly presents to you Champions! is about giving props where it's due and the props to the Washington Nationals need to be due. After all, this is a team that started 19 and 31. That was their record in May. And their 121 game stretch after that was better than the Astros by one game. And they did this losing Bryce Harper in free agency to the Phillies. <laughs> Went to a rival of all things. And they did not have that presence anymore on the team. Now they had the arms and Strasburg and Scherzer and even Corbin came up to the plate little, uh, lately, but it was a 
ragtag. I would I hate to say it that way because it almost insults them, but it was it was this ragtag group, you know, led by a journeyman in Kendrick who kept getting key homers, like the grand slam in the NLDS game five in Chavez Ravine against the Dodgers, when it was three to one in the eighth before two back-to-back solo shots by Rendon and Soto Juan Soto uh, tied it up and he hit, hit those homers off of Clayton Kershaw let's go to the game that led to them being in the series the wild card game against the Brewers they were down 3-1 bottom of the 8th Soto at the plate again so he hits a line shot in the right field and the bases were juiced full of Nats Nationals the ball gets underneath the right fielder's glove and the other two runs go to score. And so a 3-1 deficit turns into a 4-3 lead and you would have thought at the end of that inning Nationals Park was celebrating a world championship. Well, little did we all know that three weeks later that same stadium would. Instead of seeing the game on the field, they had to see the game on a big screen. So yes, after the wild card game where they were down 3-1 and they came back to win. Then they were down 2-1. to In fact, they were down so hard to the one. The Dodgers in game three were putting it on the Nationals. To the point where I saw video of the fans leave the stadium in the bottom of the sixth inning in droves. So you saw this exodus in game three. Then... The homer I talked about in the NLDS of Chavez Ravine in Game 5. Then they get to the NLCS. They don't even make it a competition. They just jumped all over the Cardinals all four games early. And they swept them. To the point where in Game 4, they scored seven runs in the first inning. And they didn't have to do anything else after that. And they must have taken that energy with them because the first two games in Houston, that's exactly what happened. They jumped all over the Astros pitching. They got up two to nothing in the series. Then it went to D.C. and the bats went cold for the Nationals. The bats blazed for the Astros. And it looked as though the Astros turned a corner and they were going to be the team that just imposed its will. And they were going to win the series just by being who they were. Until the fifth inning of Game 6 and the seventh inning of Game 7. And let me tell you about Game 6, the MVP of the World Series. Eight and a third inning strong. He could have completed that game. There was, to me, no reason why he didn't complete the game because the Astros were stymied. The whole lineup was stymied. They did not know how to hit the guy. I mean, other than a Bregman homer <laughs> early in the game, they did not know how to hit him. And to me, he should have completed that game. There was no reason for him to take him out with one out in the ninth. But to me, he was a stud. Game six, they couldn't touch him. Game two, the Astros couldn't touch him. And the only other person I probably would have said would have earned it would have been Rendon for me of the Nationals. If it was the Astros, it would have been Grinky because Grinky, for some reason, quieted those bats of the Nationals in the similar vein, in a similar way that Strasburg did the Astros. So it was a wonderful series. Seven games, and it was it was thrilling. For a different reason. It was almost like, okay, which team was going to get off? Which team was going to really, really soar? And we saw something that you don't ever see. In fact, I think we saw something we never have seen. And I mean, not in 
nine in hockey, nine in basketball, nine in baseball. The road team won every single game in this year's World Series. But you know something? What I take away from the series is that you had a yet a bunch that came into the the playoffs ninety three and seventy. They held their breaths, got past the got past the Brewers. They stumbled, held their breaths again, got past the Dodgers. They got their confidence. They just steamrolled over the Cardinals, and then they took us on the ride of their their lives and our lives when they matched up to me against the greatest lineup going today and the two best arms on a pitching staff, proving to me that I may have been wrong, and that the two best arms on the pitching st- uh, two best arms on a pitching staff may not have been Garrett Cole and Justin Verlander. No, it may have been Max Scherzer. And Steven Strasburg. So, I just all I can do is tip my cap. Congratulations! It's 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 a joy to see a team struggle and triumph the way you all did. This is the first this is the first championship for the Nationals. Now they were the Nationals in 2005. However, they came from Montreal, so. Kudos to the Montreal Expos. This is your first World Series championship. A franchise that has now since bit the dust, but started 50 years ago. And to me, they should not have moved out of Montreal, but I digress. And this is the first World Series championship for the Washington, D.C. area or the DMV area in 95 years. Yes, D.C. has won a World Series before. So uh, it hurts, but congratulations, Nationals. You deserve it. You deserve it. To the victor, go to spoils. And speaking of to the victor, go to spoils. Here's how the game ended. If you happen to like this episode or any episode that you have heard thus far, 
The subscribe button is flashing. It is flashing. Click on that neon sign that says subscribe and subscribe to Cole Sports with a Z dot com. Now, if you want to hear exclusive content, only you can hear this. No other person can get to it. Only the VIP that's real special like you. The Patreon page button is here at ColdSportsWithAZ.com. Now, if you feel the need to say something, well, say it with your chest. Go to ColdSportsWithAZ.com, hit that button, record, speak, and send. I'll get it and play it on the air. Now, if you don't want to say it on the air, but you want to say it through email... You can email Cold Sports, me, at ColdSportsWithZ.com. That button is there. You click it, write that email. I will read it on the air. Now, if you want to hear this voice on, co- on commercials and voiceovers, make that request known. The button's there. ColdSportsWithZ.com is where you can find it. Now, if you want to find a group that speaks passionately but speaks respectfully and speaks with intelligence about sports, the Cold Sports VIP room is the place to be. Hit that button ColdSportsWithAZ.com is where you can find it. Now when you, you want to hear guest appearances that I have been on, I've been on other shows other than Cold Sports ColdSportsWithAZ.com, that button is there. Now if you feel the need to heal from heartbreak and loss in your life or you want to hear how I get down on how I interview other people, just go on to ColdSportsWithAZ.com. That's ColdSportsWithAZ.com you can check out me and all of this splendor, uh, all of this splendiferous brand on Cold Sports with the Z.com. And it doesn't matter where you listen to me, how you listen to me, or when you do. I just want you to do these one, two, three simple things. Love your neighbors, yourself, and love yourself with your whole heart. Tell a friend to tell a friend about this particular program. Enjoy the content. For the intelligent sportsman, I am Cole Johnson. Hey, and this is... You've been listening to Cole Sports with Cole Johnson.